Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 21. And the title of the message this morning is uh, Reconciliation with God. Reconciliation with God, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses 12 through 21. And if you remember, the last time um, I had the privilege to be up here, we were looking at the second letter uh, to the Corinthians. And in this second letter... Uh, Paul is writing to the church there in Corinth. He's addressing some lingering issues. If you look at the first letter to the Corinthians, uh, there Paul is addressing um, division in the church. He's addressing uh, sexual immorality that was taking place there. There was an abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, There was a lack of love for one another. There was division. And in the second letter, he's addressing a lingering issue of false teaching. There was a group of people in the midst of the Corinthians, these uh, so-called Judaizers. Uh, They were mixing law and they were mixing grace. They were telling people that they couldn't come to Jesus until after they fulfilled the law of Moses, specifically uh, circumcision. And uh, Paul is addressing this in the second letter. Now, if you remember the first half of chapter 5, the last time I, I was up here, we talked about two uh, big topics. Number one, we talked about the hope of the resurrection and the fact that when you and I die, we leave this earth. Uh, we leave these earthly tents and we receive our, our new heavenly tents, our heavenly homes. Um, you think about it, our bodies right now cannot withstand the glory of God. We cannot be in his presence in our current state. We have to receive a new body. And that new body, as we read in scripture, is going to be a flesh and bones, just like Jesus' body when he resurrected uh, from the dead. Uh, We will no longer be subject to death, uh, which is a great thing. And every single day, as we continue to grow in our walk, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, he's preparing us for that very glory. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second here. Uh, The second big thing we talked about was the fact that we need to have a servant's heart. And as we wait for the Lord, our purpose is to bring him glory and to bring him pleasure through our lives, the things that we do. We want to be faithful and obedient to um, the word of God, not simply by our works, but we please the Lord by having faith in what he has done for us and also recognizing that we need to repent of our sin. And then the works are a result of our faith. So we need to walk by faith, live in his word, And we need to continue enduring those difficulties um, and completely rely on him uh, during those hard times in our lives. And also, we as followers of Jesus Christ uh, need to continue ministering uh, the new covenant. And we'll talk more about that today as well, um, as he has called us to do that, right? To preach the gospel to the ends of the earth and to make disciples of every nation. So one thing that we established, and you know, we can establish this every day, is that we are confident to say that we have a hope and we have a future in Jesus Christ, and uh, the best is still yet to come in the Lord. All right, so today, um, like I said, we'll focus on the second half of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we'll look at verses 12 through uh, 21. Uh, but before I do that, let me um, open up in prayer, and then we can get into the word uh, together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help me to bring forth your word. I pray that I would decrease, Lord, and that you would increase. 
Um, I pray that whatever it is you desire us to hear this morning, Lord, that we would hear it loud and clear and that we would apply it to our lives and that it would become flesh. We thank you so much, Lord God, for the privilege of knowing you and coming here together, Lord, to hear from you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Uh, verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. So here, beginning in verse 12, uh, when you think about the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, this was an individual that surely knew what being in distress was. He faced some really big difficulties in ministry. Um, he talks about, if you look at the earlier chapters of 2 Corinthians, he talks about the shipwrecks and the beatings and you know, the near-death experiences. And you, t you even think about like the thorn in the side of his flesh, um, which is in chapter 12 of this second letter. Uh, he faced some great difficulties. And when you think about that, um, Paul would glory in those things because he knew that those things in his life were making him look more like Jesus. They were shaping him and molding him for better things to come. He was going from glory to glory, as the Word of God tells us, also in this second letter. Now, instead of using or boasting about those things as an opportunity to maybe make himself look better uh, than other Christians, he was saying these things or he was sharing these things. That way, the Corinthians could have an opportunity to perhaps be proud of the victories that he had accomplished uh, through the Lord. And they were taking place in his heart. They were taking place inwardly. Now, Paul was glorying in his heart and not so much in his appearance or the things that were happening to him outwardly. Paul wanted the Corinthians to have an answer uh, for these Judaizers, these individuals that were teaching falsely, that were only concerned about that outward appearance. And in fact, they were big critics of Paul. They questioned his apostleship. Uh, they didn't believe that the Lord had called this individual uh, to do his work. And I think a lot of us maybe have had similar experiences where people think we're crazy or they think we're unusual 
and um, they just look at our outward appearance as opposed to what the Lord is doing inside. And I think one thing that we should ask ourselves is, um, do we glory more in our outward appearances or do we glory more in what the Lord's doing in our hearts individually? If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, there the word of God says, The Lord does not see as a man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, when you remember the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, to many, he was likely a great failure. You think about this person who had great authority. He was a persecutor of the early church. He went from being a persecutor to a person that was now persecuted. So people saw him as a failure. They didn't understand like, why he was doing these things. It didn't make sense to them. And a lot of us can relate to that. Maybe your life has changed significantly. You used to be in the world, but now you're in the church. Your life has changed, and people don't understand why you're like that. They consider you a failure. They consider you, um, you know, different, and unfortunately that your life has changed. But you know that in your heart, your life has changed for the better uh, for the Lord. And I think, like I said, we can all relate to that. The world only sees what's happening on the outside and not on the inside. And I can tell you, um, not many of you know this about me, but I moved here, I moved back to El Paso uh, two years ago. Uh, my mom had a massive uh, brain hemorrhage that almost killed her. And um, she basically needed to relearn to do everything again. Swallow, walk, eat, talk, everything. And uh, the Lord led me back here to El Paso. I was living in Colorado at the time. Um, so I left my job, I left my friends, I left um, ministry that I had back in Colorado because that's what the Lord called me to do. And I was obedient to his call. And I remember people telling me, oh, we're devastated for you. We are just so devastated for you. You know, they only saw that I was leaving these things that, you know, I did, you know, for a living. You know, I left friends. I still have, you know, I still talk to my friends. But I, I left all the things that I knew, which was Colorado for seven years, um, but what I didn't lose, what I didn't leave was the relationship I had with Jesus Christ. So to me, I had lost nothing. And often I catch myself, I say to myself, you know, I wish things were the, the way they used to be, you know, two or three years ago. But then I realize that now I'm closer to God than I was then. And I recognize that this is exactly where I need to be. And, you know, when you think about the life of Paul, that's probably the mindset he had as well. And uh, that's the mindset we want to have as well, that um, whatever you're going through right now, uh, that's the best place for you to be. Even if you don't understand what the Lord's doing and you, you're just, you know you're completely out of control, God's in control, and uh, you just let him do what he needs to do and he'll shape you and mold you uh, in the way that he desires. So once again, the world is not going to understand why you make the decisions that you make in the Lord and what the Lord's doing in your heart because they only see what they can see but we walk by faith, we live by faith, so we, we walk by the unseen. Now, if you look at verses 13 through 15, uh, verse 13 says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. So when he says beside ourselves here, there Paul is talking about being crazy, um, behaving in an irrational way, okay? 
the Corinthians, like I said, they probably thought Paul was a little bit crazy because he was happy and that he gloried in the difficulties, the persecutions that he faced serving the Lord. Uh, but of course, Paul was happy because these things were bringing God glory and they were also shaping and molding him uh, for something better. And I think as Christians, we often forget that, uh, you know, we're not greater than our master. You think about Jesus in his earthly ministry when he walked on this earth. Um, he faced difficulties. He faced persecution. He faced all of these things. People thought he was crazy. And we are going to face those things as well. And in fact, when you think about the Pharisees, for example, um, even at one point, right, they thought that his works were satanic and they blasphemed the name of the Lord. And uh, we just have to remember that whatever we're doing for the Lord, not everyone is going to understand that. Uh, furthermore, in this verse, uh, Paul tells the Corinthians that he wasn't purposely living this way, uh, you know, so people would think he was crazy, but rather he was doing it for the Lord's sake and for their sake. So when you think about that, an individual like Paul, he was doing all of these things because he loved the Lord. And because he loved the Lord, all of these things were then channeled to the Corinthians and to all those people uh, that he was serving. Now, in verse 14, uh, he continues and he says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, um, then all died. Now, Paul's motivation and encouragement from, came or stemmed from <clears throat> the love of Christ. So because he loved the Lord, he did all of these things. Paul was obedient in enduring those difficulties uh, that the Lord allowed into his life. And when you think about this, um, it compelled him, it compelled him rather, uh, to serve others. And all of us here in this room, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, uh, you already have a ministry, right? Our ministry is to uh, be ministers of the new covenant, of that gospel message, right? We're living uh, epistles for the faith. We have a ministry. That love that we have freely received from the Lord, that abundant love is a love that we too uh, should desire to share with people around us everywhere we go. And in terms of ministry, everything has been given to us. Now we should give that to other people. They should have that opportunity to hear what we heard and have the opportunity to receive what we have uh, chosen uh, to receive in our own lives. And I think about this in my own life as I um, kind of ventured into ministry um, when I was living in Colorado. I, I was not always serving in the church, uh, but up there I got involved with youth with um, college age um, ministry. And I remember when I first started serving, I didn't necessarily have that love to serve people, but I can tell you that if you ask God to give it to you, he gives you that love that you need to serve people because you certainly have to love people to serve the Lord uh, because ministry is people. That's what it is. And that's what I've learned over the, you know, the past few years is that ministry is people. And the Lord, the way he loves us, we want to have that same love for people around us. And we want the Lord to, to manifest that through us um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you ask him, he'll do it for you. Because God's love is very powerful. Um, it allows you to do things that you didn't think you could do, but the Lord is the one who did them, right? You're just the vessel. You're just the body that he's working through. That's all we are. We're vessels. Uh, there's nothing more to us. Now, in the latter part, 
uh, verse 14, um, when Jesus died, it says that we all died in him, right? Um, his death saves all who come to him, showing his great love uh, for each and every single one of us. Now, all who are saved die to their old selves and are born again in him. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 21 through 22, there Paul uh, talks a little bit about this. He says, For since by man came death, by man, speaking of the Lord, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, right, we all die physically, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But in Christ Jesus, we will never die, right? We will live forever. Now, remember, Jesus died for all, right? That's the, what the word of God says here. But this doesn't mean that everybody is going to be saved, okay? We need to choose Jesus Christ. Just because he died for everyone doesn't mean that everyone, you know, has like this free ticket into the kingdom of God. We have to choose the Lord. How can you love someone if you don't choose to love someone? Now, I'm not married. I know a lot of you in here are married. Um, you fell in love with your spouse, right? Uh, it wasn't like an arranged thing where you're like, you're going to marry this person and you're going to love them, right? Um, it wasn't like that. And same thing with, with the Lord. We want to fall in love with the Lord. We don't ever want someone to tell us, you need to love God. This is the way it's going to be, you know, um, because that's not the way it works. You need to fall in love with the Lord. You need to choose the Lord because he died for all, but not all are going to be saved. We have to choose um, to receive that free gift um, that he's so graciously given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 15, it says, And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now, because Jesus died for you and for me and for everyone who will ever believe, um, it's only fitting that we live for him now because he gave his life for us. And now we need to give our lives to him. Uh, Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 tells us, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Right? So we were all created for the Lord's pleasure. And that's exactly what our desire should be every single day, right? Is to bring pleasure um, to the Lord. Now going back to that relationship, you know, that I was talking about earlier. You know, I always tell the young people, um, when you're in a relationship with God, um, it takes two people, right? A relationship takes two people. There's a two-way channel there. Um, whenever we bring something into the relationship that doesn't glorify God, um, it doesn't please Him, right? We want to make sure that everything we bring into the relationship is going to please the Lord and not please ourselves. We're not here to pleasure ourselves. We're here to pleasure the Lord, as the Word of God says here. And we need to be careful, right? And I think the only way we can certainly do that is to just be obedient to His Word. And I know that's easier said than done, right? Every day it's a battle uh, to submit to God's Word and to live um, by God's Word. But certainly we have all the tools and all the instruments that we need to do that. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God. And we have brothers and sisters that we can fellowship with uh, to help us do that, right? Our love, our service, our obedience to the Lord um, will then be reflected uh, in the way we serve other people around us. Now, I think a question I often ask myself uh, whenever I find myself in situations or just, you know, generally, um, you know, am I, am I living this moment to pleasure myself or to pleasure the Lord? And um, sometimes... I have to correct what I'm doing, and I recognize, you know, my life is the Lord's now. I no longer am my own. 
And I think that is uh, something that we need to do as believers, right? Just constantly evaluate ourselves, where we are in our walk, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 16 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now uh, we know him thus no longer. So because we walk by faith and not by sight, we regard no one according to the flesh. Rather, we look at the heart of a man, just like the Lord does, right? The Lord doesn't look at our outward appearance. He looks at our heart. He looks at what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives inwardly. And like I said before, the best place to begin with that is by evaluating ourselves continuously. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13 talks about this, that we, we should constantly examine ourselves. And are we being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, one thing we can check is our character. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, there it, sh- it tells us um, what the fruit of the Holy Spirit should look like in our lives. Um, there Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Also, we need to guard our conversations uh, whenever we have conversations with people. Uh, Hebrews thirteen fifteen through 16 tells us, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Another thing we need to evaluate when we evaluate ourselves is our conduct. Colossians 1 verses 10 through 12 tells us that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, Uh, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And when you think about this, our character, our conversations, the way we conduct ourselves, the battle always begins in the mind, doesn't it? What we listen to, what we see, uh, the people we surround ourselves with, right? Those things infiltrate our minds. And if we let those things sit there long enough, they begin to infiltrate into our hearts. And then once they reach our heart, they can turn into an action and become a part of our character. And we have to be very careful. We have to rebuke those thoughts in our minds and, um, and pray that the Lord would uh, take those things away from us, remove those things from our minds. Uh, so we need to be careful. We need to be ruled and we need to be led uh, by the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Also, when you think about this verse, right, it says, um, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Um, Even those who knew Jesus in the flesh uh, perhaps found their new relationship with him through the Holy Spirit maybe more rewarding. And the reason I say this is because I think about Paul. Paul, when he, um, you know, when Paul was still alive, he likely knew of Jesus's earthly ministry, right? Maybe he even heard him teaching. But it wasn't until after um, 
Jesus was crucified and had resurrected from the dead, that Paul had this encounter with the Lord on his way to Damascus. Remember, um, there he has this experience with the Holy Spirit that changed his life. He went from being a persecutor to one that was being persecuted. And um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, his life changed. And he was able to father this church, for example, in uh, 2 Corinthians that we're reading about here, uh, that church in Corinth. John 16, 17 tells us, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, here's Jesus speaking, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, uh, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Another thing uh, we can remember from scripture is that the apostles, in a sense, were powerless before the Holy Spirit came upon them or fell upon them on the day of Pentecost. If you look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8, uh, it says there, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here's the Lord speaking to the apostles. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And of course, we know that after that happened, uh, they spoke in in different tongues and 3,000 were added to the body of Christ uh, that day. Now, in verse 17, uh, Paul continues and he says, or he writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things uh, have become new. So anyone who comes to Jesus Christ um, isn't just forgiven of their sins, but their life should also change, right? There should be that element of repentance where there's a 180-degree turn in your life. So when I think about it, like before Jesus Christ... I'm going in this direction, but after I invite him into my life, I'm going to suddenly be going in the opposite direction. There should be a change um, in my life. It's not simply our act of, um, you know, an act of uh, just having your sins forgiven. There's an actual change in your life. It's like dieting versus a lifestyle change, right? Um, You can't just diet. You have to change your life. Um, it's, It's very different. Now, this is something, like I said before, you have to fight for daily, uh, because once you invite the Lord into your life, like people sometimes think like your life is now suddenly perfect and everything's going to go your way. Everything's going to be great. Um, that's not so as a believer. I feel that when I invited the Lord into my life, um, things got a little bit harder for me, I, I think, uh, because of the opposition uh, from the world and the things that I used to engage in before giving my life to the Lord. So, Uh, This is something we need to fight for daily. We need to pick up our crosses, as the Gospel of Luke tells us daily, and follow him. This is a decision that we have to make. We have freedom in Christ, but we have to choose to walk in that freedom um, every single day. And this transition, this change in our lives is our testimony, right? We are living epistles, Paul tells us. And every single day, people are reading us. And if your life is changed, it's different. People are going to wonder, why is this person different? And it might give you an opportunity to share what the Lord has done inwardly, and now it's happening um, outwardly. Your life is very different. Um, Verses 18 and 19, uh, Paul continues and he writes, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So everything is from God, right? There's no room for man to take God's glory. 
If you look at Isaiah chapter uh, 42, there in verse 8, God makes it clear that he shares his glory with nobody. Okay, the glory all goes to God. God himself began this ministry of reconciliation or restoration. We can't say, I reconciled myself to God. No, God reconciled us to him through his son, uh, Jesus Christ, the ultimate uh, sacrifice. And in fact, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, there Paul reminds us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So having been reconciled, or having the Lord reconcile us onto himself, uh, God expects us to also take on this ministry of uh, reconciliation, right? And you ask yourself, well, what is that ministry of um, reconciliation? Well, it's the gospel message. We are to minister that message. Well, what is that message? Well, remember, number one, that Jesus died for our sins. Number two, that he was buried. Number three, that he rose from the dead three days later. You put your faith in that message. You recognize you are a sinner. You repent of your sin. That's what makes you righteous in the sight of God. That is the message that saves. That is the message of reconciliation that all of us in this room are responsible for uh, to share with the people um, around us. And when I was thinking about this, um, it reminded me of something that Paul tells the Corinthians in the first letter. If you look at the 12th chapter of the first letter, um, there, the Corinthians, they were abusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Specifically, they, they were abusing the gift of tongues. And I can only imagine, uh, you walk into a church, there are the Corinthians, and probably everybody was busting out in tongues. There was complete chaos in there. There was no interpreters. And Paul tells them that it is more profitable for them to prophesy or to bring forth the word of God than to speak in tongues. And when you think about that statement that Paul made, you know, the only way people can have the opportunity to give their lives to Jesus Christ is to either hear his word or to read his word. Okay? And Paul telling them this, telling them this you know, gives me the indication that it's very important that we continue to vocalize what the Lord has done in our lives. That way others can have that opportunity to receive what we have freely received and allow the Lord into our lives. Another thing I want to mention is that you and I, we are not going to change people. Only the Lord can do that. That's the Holy Spirit uh, doing his work. Our job is to simply plant that seed. I remember early on in ministry when I would share the gospel with people, it was so discouraging when people would not respond. And I had to remember that it's the Lord's job to have them respond. It's only the Holy Spirit that's going to change a heart. Um, not what I say, not what I do, right? Of course, what the Lord does through me, you know, he can, he can use that. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to change someone. And I often think of um, Jeremiah's ministry, the weeping prophet, right? Forty years, faithfulness to the Lord, not one convert. And, um, but he did it faithfully. And that was pleasing to the Lord. And that's something that we want to continue doing. Even if we don't see the results that we desire, uh, they're the results that the Lord desires. Because numbers mean nothing, right? We have to remember that it's obedience and faithfulness uh, to the Lord. Now, throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, 
um, God the Father was working in and with him, okay, to reconcile the world uh, to himself. And God the Father had his will for Jesus, and I praise the Lord that Jesus uh, decided to fulfill the will that the Lord had given to him. Uh, when you think about it, uh, for example, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, he was so distressed. Um, he was bleeding, not bleeding, he was sweating blood. And in Luke chapter 22, uh, the Lord speaking to Jesus says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will uh, be done. And I'm so grateful that he surrendered uh, to the will of his Father. And that's the mindset I want to have in my own life, is to always say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And you know, there's days where I'm like, no, Lord, please, my will, because I think I know what's best for me. But the Lord knows uh, what's best for us, and we have to be very careful. And the fact that Jesus was willing to surrender to the will of his Father uh, truly shows not just his great love for us, but also the great love that the Lord, um, the Father, God the Father has for each and every single one of us. Now, Jesus chose to take on all of the guilt, all of the sin, all of the wrath um, of the world. And, you know, it didn't please the Father that his son was crucified on the cross and tortured. What pleased the Father was the fact that Jesus was willing to do this to accomplish the work that he had set him to do. And throughout a relationship or through a relationship with Jesus Christ, and only through a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, can we have reconciliation uh, with God the Father. And like I said, we are the uh, ministers of this new covenant, of this um, ministry of reconciliation. And when you think about the Judaizers in that time, you know, you think about the law. The law condemned. The law pushed people away uh, from the Lord. But when you think about the new covenant in Jesus Christ, that gave us an opportunity, gives us an opportunity to be reconciled uh, with, with the Lord through his son, Jesus Christ. Now notice he says here... Um, not imputing, and what he's talking about there, right? So the trespasses of the unsaved, that is people that don't give their lives to Jesus Christ, they are responsible for those sins. Those sins are on them. But those of us that have given our life to Jesus Christ, we've put our faith in him, our sins have been forgiven, right? They have been, um, the, our Lord is the propitiation for those sins, right? He has paid the debt for those sins. They have been blotted out. But we have to be careful because this doesn't mean that we are sinless, okay? Uh, it does mean that maybe we should sin less, right? But it doesn't mean that we're sinless and perfected. And I always think of the uh, Christian bar of soap, 1 John 1 verse 9, where it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So daily we have to confess our sins, hourly there maybe there's some days, minutely, we have to confess those sins to the Lord. And like I said before, this is a daily battle uh, that we have to fight. A victory that we have in Jesus Christ, but we have to choose to walk in it. Uh, verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading uh, through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, notice here, he refers to himself and the apostles as ambassadors. When you think about an ambassador, an ambassador doesn't speak to please his audience. He's there to represent the king who sent him. And when you think about this, the ambassadors, as ambassadors, you and I, of the new covenant, 
uh, we're not there to please people with what the word of God has to say, right? If, if it stings, if it convicts, that's not your fault. That's not my fault. That's the word of God. We're there to please the king of kings, speaking of the Lord. And I love what uh, Warren Wearsby says uh, regarding this. He says, when I was a young pastor, it used to embarrass me somewhat to make visits and confront people with the claims of Christ. Then it came to me that I was privileged. I was a privileged person, rather, an ambassador um, of the king of kings. And we should think of that in the same way in our own lives. Like the privilege and the honor it is uh, to share the love of Jesus Christ through that gospel message. It's a work that is honorable and that needs to be done. Um, Everything about us should represent our king and bring him honor, bring him glory. Uh, Because what we do is, I mean, it's basically the reputation of that new covenant, right? Because we're representing uh, the Lord in everything that we do. We're we're billboards uh, for the faith in Christ Jesus. And... I understand that not everyone is necessarily going to be, you know, a street evangelist. That's not everyone's calling necessarily. However, um, when I think about this, especially with the, with the youth group, the young people, there's so many gifts and talents, you know, within that group and in this room as well. And we're all going to serve the Lord, but in different ways. Ultimately, we're going to share the message that saves but maybe you're going to do it as a doctor, as a nurse, as a teacher, um, you know, taking care of a loved one. You are doing what the Lord's called you to do in a different way. And that's something we're all needing to understand. You know, not, not everyone's going to be, you know, maybe a pastor or a worship leader or, or something like that. But you're still a child of God. You are still responsible um, to be ministers of that new covenant, um, that message of reconciliation. And... You know, we talked about this before, the way we live, the way we conduct our lives could trigger an opportunity for someone to ask you, why are you different? What is going on in your life? You know, and you tell them, well, it's not drugs, right? It's the Lord, right? It's, it's, um, it's something that is the ultimate high. It's a life in Jesus Christ. So that's something we want to make sure we always have. We always have a defense, right? Peter tells us for our faith when people come and ask us. We are living epistles. Now, it's interesting here, you know, God pleads, right? He's pleading through us. So he's pleading through the Apostle Paul um, to be reconciled uh, with him. And when you think about the gospel message and the glory um, of that message, and you think of God in the midst of hurting women and men and people that are just, they need to be reconciled with God. All of those barriers have been removed through Jesus Christ. He is the way and the only way. Uh, we can be reconciled uh, to God the Father. And he pleads for us. And I'm so grateful for the Lord's um, long-suffering that I didn't die before I had the opportunity to give my life to Jesus Christ. And I think all of us can relate to that in a sense. Um, But the Lord is is long-suffering. And his desire is that none should perish, but that all should come uh, to repentance. If you look at Romans 2, verses 4 through 6, Paul tells us, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And there, of course, he's speaking of the great white throne judgment uh, that those who have not given their life to Jesus Christ will face. 
And then he says in verse 6, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. It, even us as believers will be judged for our service onto the Lord. You think about the um, judgment seat of Christ, the bema seat of Christ. Okay? And of course, our sins um, were taken care of at the cross, but we need to continuously confess our sins uh, to the Lord because we're not sinless. We're still going to sin. Every single day, we're going to fall short of God's glory. Now, Paul, like I said, he makes this plea for the Corinthians to come back to God. And we know that in order for that to happen, uh, they need to be reconciled with God. They need to choose uh, Jesus Christ for their lives. And people need to respond. Like I said, we are just the ambassadors. We are just the mouthpiece, the voice. We can't make people uh, respond, right? We can't make people do anything. We can't make people, you know, stop at, at a red light. We can't make people do things we want them to do here on this earth. Can you imagine um, trying to um, save them spiritually? That's impossible, right, for us. Um, the Holy Spirit can work through us, but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit that's going to do that. And I think for me personally, it's more difficult when you're trying to share the gospel with a family member. It becomes more emotional, and we have to be careful that we just allow the Lord um, to guide our tongues, okay, when we're in a situation like that. Um, that way we uh, allow that opportunity to happen. And as I said before, you know, a good example is Jeremiah in the scriptures, right? He was faithful to do it. And 40 years, 40 year ministry, and he had, didn't have any converts. And when you think about that in our lives right now, I am sure you are praying for people in your life, family, friends. And you say to yourself, why doesn't this person receive the Lord? Do not stop praying for them because God's timing is perfect. Um, God's timing has never been my timing, but his timing is so perfect. So keep praying for those people and be thankful that you have the opportunity to pray for those people because I know in my life people were praying for me and I thank God they didn't stop praying for me uh, because I was finally able to let the Lord rule uh, in my life. Now in verse 21 it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Right, so how did he make reconciliation possible? Well, it was through Jesus Christ, of course, right? Jesus Christ dealt with the problem of sin. And now we can all be reconciled to God as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Because remember, sin is what separates us uh, from God. Now, we do need to be careful with this verse because it says here, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Now, this verse is not saying that Jesus actually became a sinner himself. Rather, our sin was put on him, not in him, Amen. to save us. Okay, we need to be careful. Um, but on the cross, he was treated like a sinner because of the way they treated him. But remember, our sin was put on him, not in him. Um, and he was the propitiation. He was the, the debt. He was able to pay that debt for our sin. And what a blessing to know that we, being unrighteous, can now be righteous in the sight of God because um, of his son, Jesus Christ. So, in closing this morning, just two things that I want to mention. Uh, before I close, uh, we talked a lot about the fact that Paul endured for the Lord, and we should as well. The difficulties, the struggles that we face on a daily basis, we need to continue uh, going through those things, right? We need to continue trusting in the Lord because it's those trials that test our faith. We want to make sure we're standing on that solid ground. So make sure um, 
to ask for that desire. I know I have to pray for that desire to get into the word of God because our faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's those trials that will test our faith. And just like Paul, we also want to be those ambassadors, right, of the new covenant, um, the message of reconciliation. And as ambassadors, we should be honored to do this work. Um, You never want the Lord's work to be a burden or to be a hassle because it should be the most joyful thing for us. No matter what we're going through in life, um, we can be joyful in the midst of those difficult times because we're serving the Lord, we're doing the things that the Lord has called us to do. Reconciliation to God is only possible once again through His Son, Jesus Christ. Believing that He died for your sins, believing that He was buried, believing that He rose from the dead three days later, recognizing you need a savior, you repent of your sin, and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what allows us to become righteous um, in the sight of God. And also as ambassadors, we need to remember that when people reject the gospel, it's not you they are rejecting, it's the Lord that they are rejecting. So don't ever take it personal, um, because then it'll cripple you, and then you can't do things for the Lord. Just be willing to do the things for the Lord, and understand that not everyone's going to respond. And it's the Lord that they are rejecting. So as we enter into this week of thanksgiving, no matter what you're facing right now, you are reconciled with God. So you should be extremely thankful every single day uh, that you are reconciled to the Lord. Because he's our future. He's our our living God, um, our living hope. Amen? Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Uh, We pray that as we go about this week, Lord, that not just this week, but always, Lord, that we are thankful in our hearts that we have this relationship with your son, Jesus, a relationship, Lord God, that has reconciled us onto you. We thank you so much for the things you have allowed to come into our lives uh, because we know that these things are changing us or shaping us. You're transforming us from glory to glory, Lord. We thank you so much for that. And Lord, we pray that you continue to have your way here. Uh, help us to just get through this week, to be examples, living epistles, Lord. Uh, Maybe we'll have the opportunity to see family and friends that maybe we haven't seen in a while, Lord, that need to hear of this message of reconciliation, Lord. I pray that you help us to be those living epistles, that people would see us, Lord, and they would desire what we have, which is a relationship, a life, a hope in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much, Lord. Um, We pray that you would also bring back Pastor Angel, his family, safely uh, from Colorado, uh, safe roads, um, traveling grace, Lord God. We pray for families that were not able to make it here this morning. Uh, Maybe they've left for Thanksgiving. Uh, We pray for them this morning, and we pray for everyone here. Uh, Just continue to have your way. We love you. We praise you. In uh, Jesus' name, amen.